We are continuing a series called God Give Us Eyes to See. And this series is all about vision. And so today, I'd like to begin by talking about the bad news. And here is the bad news. The bad news is that negativity and anxiety are everywhere. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Uh, and I'm running the risk of being super negative by talking about it is everywhere. I just realized that on the screen. <laughs> negativity and anxiety is everywhere. Uh, it's in negativity and anxiety are everywhere. It's plural. I'm, I'm totally aware of that. Anyway, so negativity and anxiety are everywhere. We see this in our entertainment. Uh, I actually went up and looked up an old show. Uh, it got canceled. Thank God. Like God in heaven that it got canceled. It's called Fashion Police. And, it, and, and Fashion Police is a show where a bunch of people who are trying to get back up on top make fun of other people and what they wear. And I tried to find a quote from Fashion Police that I could demonstrate that there's a lot of negativity and anxiety in our in our culture, in our entertainment, but it was so mean, I couldn't, I couldn't find one that I could use. But anyway, negativity is in our culture. We have, uh, when you're checking out the grocery store, buying your quinoa salad or whatever it is you're buying that day, and you see all the gossip columns uh, with all the little things. Does Jen have a baby bump? I don't know. I don't know if Jen has a baby bump. Which Jen? It doesn't matter. There's some Jen somewhere who might have a baby bump. Uh, And we tend to be very negative uh, in how we perceive and gossip and talk about others in our entertainment. Uh, We're not only negative, there's not only a lot of negative and anxiety in our entertainment, we see a lot of negativity and anxiety in our politics. Now, I've noticed in the last 15 to 20 years, there's definitely been an uptick in negativity around other politicians that don't believe the same things as we believe. I've also noticed a lot of anxiety. If anybody does anything, the system crumbles and we say, well, what are we going to do about the thing with the thing? Because the person said the thing. And what what I've noticed over time is that as this negativity and anxiety has grown, there's also been a lack of civility that's grown uh, when we discuss things that matter to us. And the result has been less collaborative discussions that actually lead to change and any kind of progression in our culture. It becomes more about how we shout at the other side to make sure that our team knows that we're on their team. According to moral psychologist Jonathan Haidt, he talks that he says that politics truly are a team sport. And what we end up doing is we try, we feel the right answer within us, and then we find reasons to support it. And what this does is it really leads to us talking around each other, which leads to a growing sense of negativity and anxiety that we see. Just look at the national stage. What's about to happen in 2020, this election is going to be crazy. There's a lot of negativity and there's a lot of anxiety happening around it. Not only is there anxiety and negativity in our entertainment and in our politics, but we see this also in our families. Now, given the pressures of life, sometimes spouses can be negative towards the other spouse. You have 
parents who can be negative towards children, children that can be negative towards parents. And in the family social system, in the family dynamic system, it's actually something that we find in psychology that's called triangling. How many of you have ever heard of triangling? Yes, yes, triangling. I have a definition for triangling, and it's right here. It says triangling occurs when anxiety rises between two people and one or both of them triangle in a third person to offload some of the anxiety. This pattern takes many different forms and is so common that it is generally at work alongside the three postures listed above, which I didn't list above. Um, when two young siblings are fighting, they're in conflict. They often triangle in one of their parents to settle the argument. When the anxiety is present between a husband and a wife, whose autopilot is to distance, they may overfocus on one of their children and come to see the child as a source of the problem rather than their relationship with the other. Venting to the third party is also a form of triangling. Anytime someone tries to cope with an anxious relationship by turning to a third party instead of dealing with the problem directly, a triangle is present. We see this all the time. Parent comes home, tough day at work, vents to parent number two, and the result of that is someone lets out some energy on the kid. That can be very negative, uh, a very negative experience. We see this between coworkers. We see this between spouses. And I think it goes beyond the family system. You can see triangling even in our politics. You can see triangling even in our entertainment. When we triangle in people, we put the stress that we can't handle on another, and they need to do something with it, so they offload it on somebody else. Now, all this negativity and anxiety that I'm talking about, it is something that keeps us from having vision for others. We're so consumed with what we feel or what we're going through that oftentimes we fail to have vision for others. Now, what is a vision? A vision is a crystal clear picture of what could be and what should be, and by God's grace, what will be. And what we believe is that God has a vision for your life, but also God has a vision, not just for you and your little world and my little world. God has a vision for the people on your left and the people on your right, the people that you work with, the people that you go to school with, the people in your neighborhood, your parents, your siblings, that God has a vision for them. And what we discover is that negativity and anxiety when it is present, results in no vision for others. Negativity, anxiety keeps us from seeing someone and having clear vision about what could be and what should be in somebody else's life. And what I also realize is that no vision is the default in our world. No vision is the default in our world. If you want to have vision for someone in our, this room or in our world, you're actually the exception. Most people, let's be honest, are co so consumed with their own issues. Uh, they don't suddenly just have clear, a truthful, insightful, positive vision for other people. We just tend to focus on our own lives. We tend to focus on our own problems. We tend to be worried about us. We tend not to look up and see what could be and should be in others. And sure, we definitely see the potential in others. And we might even think that we're communicating that potential that we see in others, but we actually don't. And as I've gotten older, I found that it is more and more rare that people actually develop insight and vision for other people outside of what they're feeling about themselves. 
Now, there are some exceptions. If you think about it, there's been somebody or a couple people in your life that actually have made a difference. Maybe it was a parent who spoke life or truth into you. Or maybe you had a teacher that said, look, hey, you are rare. You have this gift. I see something in you. Maybe it was a coach, maybe it was a teacher, maybe it was a pastor or someone at a church, a youth pastor or a leader. Maybe you were a part of Young Life or some other organization where they said, look, God is doing something special in you. I see you and I believe in you and you can do this. You have a very special thing going on. There are people that do that. And so what I'm offering today and what we're going to talk about is that there is a better way that we don't just need to be taking in the anxiety and the negativity of our world, we can actually have a vision that's not just for us, but for others. We can develop eyes to see what God is doing, which is kind of why we're doing this series. Jesus, in his life, in John chapter 5, he says, I only do what I see the Father doing, and I join him in his work. And in the same way, we're doing this series called God Give Us Eyes to See God Where are you working in us? Where are you working in the church? Where are you working in other people? And I'm here to tell you today that it is possible for you and I to learn how to see where God is working in other people and call that amazing stuff out that we see in them. So I've called today's talk uh, Vision for Others. I'm going to pray and invite God's presence, and then we're going to take a look at something that Jesus did that's really interesting. So will you pray with me? Uh, God, we uh, invite you to be here, and God, I ask that you would give us eyes to see. And God, I ask as I teach that you would give me eyes to see what you're doing here in the room. And God, well, we know all the negativity that awaits us outside of this room in, in our coming week, but I ask that you would give us a new vision for people. Help us to see people as you see people. So come be with us and speak to us in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Okay, so today we're going to be looking at something in Matthew chapter 16, uh, and it's a story about Jesus. And uh, Jesus uh, basically has this moment with Peter where he speaks new life and new vision into Peter. And the story goes like this. If you want to follow along, you can on the screen, or if you want to open your phones to your Bible app or whatever, it doesn't matter. So Matthew 16, starting in verse 13 We see, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. All right, let's pause there. Very interesting. Lots of people are talking. Who is this guy? Jesus. Jesus says, what are people saying about me? Guys, I want to know. And they're like, well, some people say you're like a really famous preacher. Other people say you're a person that came back from the dead who's a prophet that actually never really died. He kind of got caught up in a chariot or something. And now he's back and you're going to talk to us about the whole thing with the thing. Uh, and, um, but everyone's just talking. Everyone has an opinion about you. You're really popular. Jesus so glad we're on your team. And then he goes, well, well, well what, do, what do you think? Who do you say that I am? And without missing a beat, Peter, uh, Peter is one of those guys that uh, wears his heart on his sleeve. He puts his foot in his mouth every single day. And he's like, but here he actually says something good. He just blurts out. He says, well, you're, you're the son of God. You're the Messiah. 
And what he's saying here is incredible. He's saying you are the one that was foretold about in the Old Testament. You're the one that was going to come and save Israel and save the world. You're the one. You are the one that God destined to save us. I believe that. And Jesus, uh, for some reason, I don't know why he decided to do this. Jesus responds to Peter and says this. He says, Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What we see here is that Jesus does something amazing. He takes a person that's called Simon. He gives him a new name and he has a completely new vision, speaks life into Peter's life. Now, the past of Peter is something that maybe we know something about. Peter was a fisherman. He wore his heart on his sleeve. He was just an average, everyday working man trying to pay the bills. And he wasn't the best of the best of the best. If you wanted to become a rabbi or a teacher in this community, you had to be selected to be the best of the best of the best. Peter was not that guy. He was probably working by 12 years old, working with his dad on the boats, being a fisherman. But, and, he, and what we know from the scriptures is he is a bit of a hothead. Him and his, uh, like he had a bad temper and it flared up. So he's like a working man. He is a hothead. He doesn't have all the right characteristics. He's always putting his foot in the mouth, his foot in his own own mouth. And Jesus comes along and says, I speak life into you. I have a vision for your life that is bigger than your own. And I'm going to give that to you right now. And the future of Peter changed when he encountered the real Jesus. His future looked totally different from fishing in a backwater town in Galilee. He actually became one of the people that started the Christian church. And we see this in Acts after Jesus ascends into heaven, Peter gets up in front of a group of people, and he gives the worst message ever. He goes, you killed Jesus. You did it to him. And 5,000 people go, you know what? You're right. We should follow Jesus. And he, the church starts in an instant. Because, I don't know why. He just chose Peter, and he put blessing on Peter, and he spoke life into Peter. And he did something extraordinary that, like, Peter wasn't expecting. So what I'm saying here is that just because Jesus did it with Peter doesn't mean that we can't do it today. There's a way to break the negativity. There's a way to uh, break the anxiety and the patterns we see in this world. And that's to become like Jesus and to become vision casters for other people. There is a need for people in this room. People in this room need to hear what they're good at. There's people in this room that are desperate for someone to believe in them, to see what they're made of, to, to be able to know that they can go and they can grow with God and with others. And no one is really going to deliver that to them unless it's you. You can be a vision caster. And I see that there's people uh, that we can do this in our marriages. We can do this with our children. We can do this with the people that we work with. Even our friends in this church, even the people we're friends with who are not in this church, 
we can cast vision and we can be clear about what we see in people and we can make a difference. And so uh, what does it actually look like? Well, uh, the good news is this. God invites each of us to be personal vision casters. And so what I want to talk to you about is what does it look like? What does personal vision casting look like for people? What, how do you actually do this? How do you actually believe and build into people uh, what you see in them? And so the first thing uh, of, uh, personal vision casting is I see you, I'm present with you, I'm for you, and I bless you. Those are the fourth elements that I see. This is what we do when we cast vision for people personally. First one, I see you. What does that mean? Well, you have to open your eyes. You have to observe a person. You have to see what is going on with them. You have to try to get to know them. You watch what they do. You watch what they do well. And you watch what they don't do well. And then you speak the truth to them. Oftentimes, we get caught up thinking the truth about somebody else, but that's not as good as actually seeing something and then saying something. Let me give you an example. George, I see you. <laughs> I see, and you know what I see about George? And if you've ever spent any time with George, George is an incredible gatherer, and everyone wants to be around George. George throws a really good party. I see that. And I, I, by the way, how many of you have experienced a George uh, George and Caleb production. Yeah. 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 I have Yeah, Well, you're not looking because you're too embarrassed, but lots of hands went up. Uh, thousands of hands around the room went up <laughs> and I see you, George. I see what you're able to do with people. And that's rare. Did you know? Not everyone in this room can do it. Sorry, person that can't do it. Did you know that you can do something that others can't do? And what, what, what's obvious to you is not obvious to others. And what I believe is that God gave you that gift to help others to build the community of faith and to build relationships and strengthen relationships with people both inside the church and outside the church. I see you. So that's an example. Um, was that a little awkward? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, thank you, man. Um, you know, um, the second one is, I'm present with you. Now, honestly, you can say whatever you want to people, but unless you're really present with them, they're not going to listen. So the power of presence is huge. Um, this is the one I probably struggle with the most. My mind is racing. I'm doing 100 things in my mind at once. Um, and it doesn't mean you're just not distracted from your phone. Like you have a phone and you're playing on it and someone's trying to talk to you. And you're like, oh, but you know, this person I haven't talked to in six years texted me. It's not just that. It's like the, that, pre, that personal settledness when someone's speaking to you or when you're interacting with someone. If you want to have an impact and cast vision for people personally, you've got to find a way to be present with them and be present to what they're feeling and thinking. Um, uh, let me tell you a story. I once, uh, when I was first starting to plant the church, um, I called different people around the country and, um, and I was like, Hey, I'm playing a church and people go, Oh, that's so awesome. Uh, let's know it's real. And like, that was awesome. And so, uh, but there was one person I remember calling and, uh, like I go, Hey, here's what I'm up to. We're just getting started. I know you would have thought about this before. I just want to update you. We're going to be planting and starting a new church in Santa Monica. And the whole time I was talking, I could just hear the person in the background typing on the keyboard, like, and you're like, and you, you get this impression. You start to feel like, man, that really stinks. Like she's not present with me in this moment. And I feel like not 
really very good about it. And then at the end, like, she said a few things like, oh, I'm so excited for you. And I'm like, yeah, right, yeah, okay, right. And I hung up the phone, and I didn't feel like she was with me or she was for me because I could hear her distractedness through her keyboard. And I think that's quite possible for us to do, and that's something that we need to avoid. If you want to speak life into other people, you have to get present to being with them. And uh, the way I really think we have to do this is we have to develop an internal spiritual life, which allows you to take the burdens you're experiencing in your life. You have bills to pay. You have relationship issues. You're mad at your mom. Whatever it is, you need to not, you and I both need to develop a spiritual life where we can cast those burdens to God and we can say, God, take control of what's going on in my circumstances so I can focus and pay attention to the people who are right in front of me. Um, so, yeah, the second one is I'm present with you. The third thing is I'm for you. Um, I want to uh, give you an example. Uh, one of the people who is in our church, her name is Shannon Tinker. Uh, I don't think she's here. I think she's out of town today. But Shannon uh, is uh, like, if you've ever talked talk with her, if you've ever spoken with her, this is a person you feel is for you. She says, hey, I'm with you. And she encourages you. And she brings people along that are struggling. And she's like, I will stand with you and I will fight with you. I'm for you. Even when people seem against you, I am with you. One of the things we can do as personal vision casters, we don't just need to speak out what we see with others, but we need to have them know that we're for them. Like, hey, even if you don't win all the time, even if you make mistakes, even if I don't necessarily agree with everything you do, I want you to know that I'm for you. And that is a great way to help someone understand their importance and that you can begin to cast vision into their life because you're building credibility and building, um, you know, just relationship with them. So that's the first three. I just want to say here at this point, how do I begin to practice personal vision casting? Well, I want to offer you four things. If you want to do this, you need to look beyond someone's present reality to what could be and what should be. When you see someone, you say, okay, what could this person be? I know they're great at this or this or that, but what should they be? And you get real present to that stuff. The second thing you do is you choose to look at a person's potential. Many times in our culture, uh, in a culture of negativity, in a culture of anxiety, we only look at what they are currently. And what I'm calling you today is to not just look at a person's current circumstances or what they look like now, but look at their potential and begin to speak to them specifically about their potential. The third thing is uh, we ask God to help you see the vision for a person's life. I think this is really key because as we pray and invite God, say, God, give me eyes to see what you're doing. Oftentimes God will answer that prayer and he will give you ideas and words that are specific to people that will help them understand their value before God. And that is a great way to do it because it takes the pressure off you from having to see things. You're just seeing what God's doing and you're joining him in his work. Uh, and, um, yeah, uh, then there's, uh, don't focus on everyone, focus on the one. Sometimes if you think, Hey, I want to, uh, I want to cast vision for everyone. You will fail at that miserably because you don't have enough good things to say. Focus on who's in front of you, who God's bringing towards you. And then lastly, take a risk and say something. Yeah. Unspoken vision casting is not vision casting. It's just you sitting on what you think about someone. 
There's people that you work with. There's people in your life who need to hear a word from God. They need to hear an encouragement and you can speak to them about their potential and what could be and should be. So in order to do that, you actually have to say something. Well, I'd like to shift here. And at this point, I'd like to talk about the last one uh, I mentioned. I said, personal vision casting is I see you, I'm present with you, I'm for you. And the last one is I bless you. And this one is very special for me, and I wanted to wait to the end to talk about it. Um, some of you know Tori Emery, who is here today. I see you right there. Hi. <laughs> and um, Tori and I talked about this, so she knows this. I just, I'm not surprising. But um, I met Tori on September 30th, uh, 2018. And it was the very first Sunday that we launched this church. And... Um, I met her in the lobby or whatever we call this, a courtyard. And she comes up to me and she's like, she's kind of shaking a little bit. Not like, you know, charismatic shaking, <laughs> but like light shaking, <laughs> just light shaking. And you could see like there was something really going on with her and I didn't press her. Um, if you've talked to me personally, you know, I press, but this time I didn't, I was like, Oh boy, this is real. She's like, hi. I just want to say thank you for what you shared about your family. This is something that I'm going through. And I, uh, I, I immediately knew what she was talking about because I had talked about addiction. I had talked about how my family was saved by the church. It totally changed the trajectory of my family's life. And she was living it at that moment. And um, uh, so just this week, I was like, can I hear more about that story? Because I think it connects with what we're talking about with vision for others. And she, she told me, she sent me an email and some of the things she said were, were so insightful. Um, and so it comes, it, as it turns out, and you may not know this about her, but Tori has been walking out of a life of addiction the last few years. And one of the things she said to me really stuck out, uh, and I'll read it to you. She said, to put this in perspective, for my 21st birthday, I had a dinner with 20 people and now only four of them are still alive. Only four. So 16 of them had passed away from that, the certain kinds of addictions. And that was her crew. That's who she was running with. She was fighting for her life, trying to get over the addiction. Uh, and, um, and so she doesn't actually connect with those four people anymore. And when I had met her on September 30th, she had just been, she had been sober for such a short period of time. She was actually looking for something steady that could help her like, walk this out. And she got a postcard that we sent out to people saying, hey, come to our church. And she responded to that and said, you know, hey, maybe this is it. And so I asked her, hey, what's been going on in your life over the past year? And she said, well, the best analogy for me is like when you were a kid and you could ride in the car and you'd be completely unaware of everything that's going on in the car and just be like chill. But then you would take the driver's ed and you start learning all the rules. And now you're and, and now even if you're in the passenger seat, you can't help noticing all the poopy things that people do on the road. I edited that. Uh, that's what finding God in sobriety is like to me. I just couldn't walk through the world and be in relationships in such a passive way. It was something that I couldn't ignore even if I tried. So to answer your questions, it, was, um, it wasn't really a different type of vision, but it was an entirely new outlook on life. And the way I think about this is that, like, look, I, I'm working this out, and the power of God started to speak to Tori. And call and say, I've got something new for you. 
And just because you have a past doesn't mean it changes your future. I've got something for you. And, um, and so I was like, well, what about the community? And this is what she said. She said, she said, walking into Pax City for me was like an immediate home. And she mentions a few names, Lucy and Jesse and my wife, Nikki, and she even mentions me. Um, and she says, you are honestly like family to me. And the things that were a priority to me before, I couldn't care less about now. And what I see in that is that it wasn't just the four of us. There's all these people that Tori's interacted with that had vision for her life. Hey, I see you. I don't know exactly what's going on with you. I know you're walking something out, but there's something more for you. Let's hang out. Why don't you come over to our house? Why don't we grab some coffee or tea or some sort of, you know, I don't know, hydrating beverage. <laughs> we, I don't know. She seems like she drinks a lot of water. She, seems to, she, she always has a water bottle, right? Okay, so anyway. Yeah, so why don't we... <laughs> Why, why don't we get together? I see you. I want to speak new life into you. And just by that connection, being present with her and her with us, like something changed in her life. Um, and then I asked her, I pressed her own vision for others. And she goes, when you surround yourself with people that need help and aren't seeking it, your hope for them really gets jaded. And I think we all know what that means. Everyone's, you know, you're, you're surrounded by addicted People and no one wants any help. You're like, dude, how do I help you if you don't want help? Uh, I think that's a really hard place to be in. And so she said she lost the ability to have vision for other people. But having, uh, having experienced sobriety over the last year, it's been able, uh, she, it's given her a new ability to have new hope for people in her life. And if you've spent any time uh, with Tori, you see that she has hope for you. You see that she has hope for her future. You see that she has hope for the people that she works with. And that's partially because God used this community. He used you and me to work and help Tori. And now as a result, Tori has vision for other people. I love inviting her into rooms where we have to make decisions because she has vision. She knows what needs to happen. She can see what people can do and she calls it out of them. And we are so blessed and excited to have someone like Tori around because of what God's been doing in her life over the last year. And so what we do when we uh, say we bless, we are blessing what God is doing in Tori. And as a church, we bless you, Tori. We see you. We are so excited for what God has done, what God has done and what God is going to do in your life. And on August 1st, 2019, Tori Emery celebrated one year of being sober. And so we see you, we bless you, and uh, I have a little something for you right here. Yeah. It's a new car. So... I would just wanted to get, we just want to give these to you and uh, can we just, uh, let's celebrate with Tori. We, yeah. You know, God is, I don't know if my mic is in, God is working in you and God is working through you. And I feel so blessed to be a part of your life. And there's so many people who have been blessed 
by you and your presence in this church. And I know you're embarrassed, but just stick with me here. I'm so shy. Yeah, you know, I know, but this is what this is what the kingdom of God is. It's you bless people and you work with them and you help them the best that you can. We have vision for you and you have vision for us. And we want to give you everything that we have and say we love you and we support you. And we're so happy. One year. How amazing is this? So anyway, one more time, one more time, one more time. We can cast vision for other people and we can make a difference. You have no idea who's sitting next to you. And you have no idea how God may want to use you to bless others, to have vision for others, to speak life into other people's lives. So I encourage you, find a way to get present to the people around you. Don't make your life all about you. Make your life about others and see what God is doing in their lives. Amen? And why don't we all stand?